0: Thanks for tuning in to Sunday Recap, a weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more podcasts and for sermons, visit bgrace.org/podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit bgrace.org.
1: I'm Joey Cologne, Assistant Pastor. I'm Chris Webster, assistant pastor of music and media. I'm Dave McMurray, teaching pastor.
0: Well, Dave, Chris, this week we were in Genesis chapter 39, a story of Joseph with Potiphar's wife. So basically the story goes, Joseph's been betrayed by his brothers, he's been sold in slavery. The story picks up with Joseph working in Potiphar's household and he's... Um, Doing well, the Lord's blessing him, and he's been put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. Potiphar longs for and lacks nothing, doesn't have to make any decisions, trusting everything to Joseph. And then Potiphar's wife comes into the scene. She um, basically tries to get Joseph to sleep with her. She tries over and over and over, day after day. Uh, Finally, she gets more aggressive. She tries to um, force him to be with her. And Joseph flees and runaways, runaways runs away, and as a result of that uh, encounter and situation, Potiphar has Joseph thrown into prison. Joseph's in prison, and God blesses everything that he does. Joseph gets basically rises in the ranks of the prison and becomes in charge of the whole prison underneath the prison guard. Um, God's blessed him again. So that's kind of chapter thirty-nine in a quick nutshell, Uh, and you said that that kind of the main point, the main theme that we we should see from this is that God was with Joseph, Mm -hmm. that he was with Joseph in his work, he was with Joseph in his temptations, and he's also with Joseph in his betrayal. I think it's pretty clear from the text, God's with Joseph, and then at the end you apply that to God being with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I want to spend a little time talking about God being with us and God blessing us because we work hard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, you, you talked a lot about it, actually not so much in your work section, but God's blessing not being contingent on our good works. Mm-hmm. Um, in the work section, you referenced, um, you know, that do your good works that they may see them and glorify your Father in heaven. The work section, Joseph obviously sold into slavery And now he's working really hard for his master. He spent some time talking about how our jobs aren't quite slavery, but we can maybe relate to that. Mm. How do you think that that applies to our work? What was work created for? Mm. What do you all think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing we misunderstand is that work is good and we're made for work. And so work is good, but cursed. And so... It's a good thing to work. It's a good thing to do work
0: well. So creation account, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pre-fall.
2: Pre-fall. They're given work to do, and it's this blessing. And that's how we image God, how we show him to the world. And it's what we're made for. And mankind is blessed. And part of that blessing is to be fruitful and multiply. You know, a lot of times we just think about that as having kids. But it's also the blessing to rule and reign and shape and form and be creative and look like God
0: created for work created pre-fall even for work and so it is for god and for god's glory i think it go ahead chris
1: oh man no i, I guess i, I had a, a thing i was toying with in my head <laughs> was could you say too though that that work is um you know, you talked about uh i guess it was it well, sex, sexuality is talked about later, but being being uh, like a thing you need to keep in a fireplace, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful and good and powerful, but it needs boundaries. And I was just kind of wrestling and thinking about the idea. is Could that be said of work as well? Mm-hmm. Um, like what the Christian work ethic should be? Because I think um, we had talked a little bit about, you know, yeah, Christians should be known as good workers. But I guess also I see um, an excess of that at least portrayed in in movies and books and things of where your work is your whole identity. Mm-hmm. And so we obviously know that's like the too far example of like, in some sense, should we be as good of workers as um, people who just sell their entire souls to their work, right? Who yeah. that... You, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm um, sure. yeah, do we have to work 80 hours a week and give our whole lives to work in order to be good workers? Right. Yeah. So there's this uniquely Christian, probably middle way where your entire identity isn't wrapped up in work, but you're also not lazy and you're not, you know, you're not lazy yeah. and you're not worshiping work. There's something in between that is that is better. But does that make sense? No, is that is that exactly fair to right. say?
2: I mean, in the Ten Commandments, where commanded to work 6 days and rest 1 day. You know, there's like a rhythm there mm. in the commandment of like it shouldn't be all shouldn't be all encompassing. It shouldn't take over all of your life. I think that's a pattern to follow. And I think in the New Testament there's a little more loose application of the Sabbath, but I think the idolatry emphasis in the in the New and Old Testament I think helps us make sense of that. We can't make work into an identity or an idol or something that will save us. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point.
1: And I think that was that was what one thought I had that we didn't really get to talk about in the mm-hmm. sermon was was that God being with you in your work means your work is un, is submitted to Him, is under Him, as far as you know He's here, that He's the one in charge, that He's where your your identity comes from, and so you're not you know work doesn't become a bigger thing than it has to be, where it's mm-hmm. like if I don't have my work, I am nothing, you know. Yeah that's no,
0: good. Yeah, you. I mean you actually said that God's presence with us in our work is what frees us to serve mm-hmm. Jesus, to love other people. Mm-hmm. Uh it gives us the power um mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Sorry, so it helps it you not be lazy. Right. I think I think people for sure, right? Like everyone has that temptation to be lazy Mm -hmm. but then i think it's interesting because a lot of people like okay i'm done being lazy and now i'm just gonna have no boundaries and i'm just Mm -hmm. especially for guys right like well i guess everybody i've only ever been a guy so that's what i speak from you know interesting thank you yeah little tidbit you didn't know (laughs) um but yeah, I think we we just veer drastically either way. I'm just going to be complete. Even our vacations show that, right? Like I'm going to work myself to death and then take a two week or you know, just completely do nothing vacation. So mm. we're just not really good at that that simple middle ground rhythm. But mm-hmm. yeah. But you were saying for sure that that knowing God is with you helps you not be lazy, not. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think I, I was just trying to focus on that because I thought that was the main example of Joseph. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's it is a life of balance, and Joseph doesn't seem to be out of balance, you know, in his example. But um, yeah, I was trying to separate out too the 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 sovereign blessing that God gives us, and Joey was kind of alluding to this statement versus the the internal motivation we have of, of knowing God is with us and that frees us emotionally and psychologically mm. to be secure and serve others in love mm. and that's kind of in my mind kind of a different category than God just blesses your work and good things happen you know those are mm. they're related but they're not exactly the same things
0: so. I think part of this section that was really uh, probably hit home for a lot of people was mm. that it wasn't just that he was working hard it wasn't just that um, he was bringing glory to God in that, but that Potiphar saw that in him, right? Mm, yeah. So Potiphar saw that he was working hard. Potiphar saw his good works, and he knew that Joseph's God was blessing him, mm-hmm. or Joseph's God was with him. Yeah. And then later on in prison, the same thing, same story happens with the prison guard. Mm-hmm. Joseph's working hard, um, yeah. he, he, God's with him, and the prison guard actually sees that. And we, we see that in the text that they mm-hmm. noticed and recognized that God was with them. Mm.
1: I thought, too, about um, the fact that it wasn't just, and Joseph had a great boss who treated him well, and so he worked hard, right? (laughs) Like, for both of those situations, the human response, the natural response is, I was sold into slavery. I am not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you're my enemy. You you know, Potiphar, you're my enemy. I'm not going to work well for you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in jail. Again, human response is, I'm in jail. Why would I work? <laughs> Why would I do so? That, I mean, that is really kind of a shocking response he de- he has. It's a mm-hmm. that is a not natural thing for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, something somebody said in the small group last night that made me go, "Huh?" Was that you know Joseph's story in the beginning in Potiphar's household? You know, he's he's been given everything, charge over everything. It's only one thing that's kept from him, and that's Potiphar's wife is really. This kind of cool picture of a return to Eden, you know, being back in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. where Adam and Eve are given everything, mm-hmm. get in charge over everything except for one thing. Mm-hmm. I thought when they said that, it made me think, man, Dave kind of hit on this last week a lot mm-hmm. about how Joseph is kind of the hero of Genesis and and maybe everyone who's hearing this the first time thinks, oh, Joseph's this Messiah that's coming. He's, he's the one that's going to... Stomp the serpent's head. Uh, do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, or? I
2: mean, I think that's a really good insight. My wife and I were talking about that this morning when we were running and how really in Genesis perspective, it is the, like, you're going to look for that in every chapter. I didn't really see it. You know, someone else brought it up. But, um, but yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's a literary echo from the beginning of Genesis, and and that should kind of keep echoing through the whole book. So I think that was, was a great a great way to see it. Um, that he is another he's another Adam you know I think you see that in a lot of characters in, in the Bible yeah. I, I've ached over not being able to spend more time talking about all the literary illusions and analogy you know and um, that's, that's been hard for me to try to sort out how, mu- how much to talk about and how much not and how much to, to mention also there's the whole robe thing you know his robe was taken the robe, you know there's like there's just all these cool literary illusions in the text
0: yeah, we talked about that last week. Figuring out how to keep a narrative, mm-hmm. a narrative versus um, being didactic, mm-hmm. being a, a teaching section of scripture. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it a lot last week, but I think it's good to see that it's being wrestled with every week, trying to figure out mm-hmm. how much of this story do I tell, and how much of these, you know, word paintings do I try and pull out, and mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I, one of the things I've wrestled with with my wife, cause she teaches literature is is how much do you talk about the narrative of scripture as narrative and you know like what kind of language is confusing to people and not confusing to people because because it's definitely artistic it's definitely written like someone writing fiction but we as believers we don't believe it's fiction we believe it's true you know so that's just I think hard for our brains to wrestle through i think it's all true stuff that is
1: narratively and artistically framed for us in a a beautiful way Mm -hmm. i think it has a lot of power too and you can you can imagine yourself in this moment and think of the implications when for joseph Mm -hmm. yeah he definitely doesn't know how it's all going to play out Mm -hmm. um i think for me i was thinking about the fact He's had this dream that's from God. He recognizes from God. You know, there's a lot of drama that happens around these dreams, but it's in the in the timeline. It's like God gives me this dream, and then mm-hmm. everything goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so even when I mean, I think we can relate to that. I mean, often, you know, it's not like we have this concrete, direct dream from God, but often it's like, man, I feel like I'm made to do this, or God you know god's put it on my heart to do this and and it's it's just an interesting thing to see there may be a lot of wrestling between knowing what this god-shaped dream is and seeing it come to pass um because yeah for joseph man how kind of whiplash but we see him be faithful right we see mm-hmm. it's like oh god's gonna make this amazing thing happen and then here i am as a slave and in jail <laughs> and uh Man, but, yeah, how inspiring to see him be faithful and continue on. And and you talked about that with foster parents wanting to adopt
0: and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. falling apart a lot of times and feeling like, God, why, you know, mm-hmm. this is what you called me. And then you talked about it with missionaries. Mm-hmm. God calls people to mission field and mm-hmm. people go and they're missionaries and they die. Like, mm-hmm. they get mm-hmm. killed. Um, yeah, Yeah, I thought
2: that was... Often God calls know. us to do really hard things, and I think it's wrong for us to think if it doesn't go really well... Oh, then he didn't really call us you know and we we get that mixed up yeah.
0: I think a lot of the Joseph story as we're hearing it and we're we're listening to it reading it we're looking at it knowing the whole story most of us mm-hmm. and it it kind of tints the story for us going mm-hmm. oh but it's okay we know how it works out in the end mm-hmm. we miss we miss a lot of the the details in the story in the middle as it's going through like mm-hmm. man Joseph would have thought this was horrible Joseph, mm-hmm would have thought his life should be over. Like, mm-hmm. I think we miss that a lot as we're going through the story piece by piece, but knowing the whole story, mm-hmm. I think it's it's been good to try and focus on that for me to be like, man, how would Joseph be in this instance? How would he feel like, is God's plan really working? Almost the Job, like, let me just sit in the dust and his friends come up and say, curse God and die, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... We don't get every scene of Joseph crying and angry, and you know, like we don't we don't see all that, which doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it gets pretty clear that he would he would be heartbroken and and hurt by by being betrayed and by being beat up and thrown into prison, thrown into slavery, thrown in a pit. You know, all these different things. Mm.
0: This might be too far off topic, and if it is, we can either go on or edit it out, but um, when you were talking about, when we were talking about it being narrative and story and trying to figure out, um, you know, how much of that to include, I was wondering, at least this past week, you read it a lot like you would read other passages where you read a small chunk and kind of Mm -hmm. talked about it, read a small chunk, kind of talked about it, Mm -hmm. wondering if you had any conscious decision or if you made any decision consciously about to do it that way versus saying, well, this is a story and this is kind of a section of the story. Let me read this chapter of the story mm-hmm. um, as a whole, almost like storytelling. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's something we might want to think about or yeah. maybe, you know, invite someone to do. Man, this person's a really good storyteller. Let me have them just read our whole passage today before mm-hmm. we even start the sermon, kind of yeah. storytelling hour.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I purposely read a part where it, it ended. I read about half of the story to start, and I purposely ended on kind of a negative note, to, to like a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like this story was almost episodic within itself. You know, so it's sure. like it's hard to know how to break that stuff up. Um, but I tried to to leave the cliffhanger and then resolve it the way the chapter resolved it at the end, but still leave some of that. You know, I'm still trying to experiment with with that. So my conclusion. Came back to again. God is with him, which I thought was the main idea, but I tried to really spend more time focusing on the the bad stuff and the things falling apart as we went through. So, um, so yeah, I did do that on purpose, and I'm still experimenting and trying to figure out <laughs> what the best way to do that is.
0: Yeah,
1: one thing. One thing I was thinking about as as you're preaching, um, you know, talking about that story and trying to try to relate to that mm-hmm. is kind of our default mentality as we approach life. Like Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's been a shift um, (laughs) somewhere between Joseph and us big time in our, you know, how much prosperity we have, how good we have it, where I I feel like our default mode of operation is I deserve good things throughout my life. And anytime something bad happens, that's God falling down on the job. Hmm. um whereas you know i assume and i I feel like people in the past have really not had that mentality where it might have been more of something quite the opposite like or at least like man i'm not guaranteed anything and if anything good happens that's god and if anything bad happens maybe i need to examine my own heart (laughs) but that makes sense like i think that was that's an interesting trap we could fall into is Mm -hmm. is just I, i guess it's kind of an entitlement thing but um we very much don't see Joseph acting that way, you know. He has so much bad handed to him, but but then also continues to prosper in these hard situations. So mm-hmm. um I don't know. I keep trying to contrast the way we we tend to analyze our own story mm-hmm. versus how Joseph seemed to and how the scripture shows us what was happening, yeah. You know. Do y'all feel that or like does that Do we feel know. the world is
0: broken? <laughs> we, <laughs> we do. do. We do. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think
2: that's a big part of what Joseph, what the Joseph stories are challenging. I mean, yeah, I think you're nailing it there. We we think, yeah, we we tend to not be sure when God is involved and when he's not. And the Joseph story is implying that God's always involved. He's he's working these bigger purposes throughout history. And I think there's kind of like three Christian main Christian ways people think about, you know, when it's bad stuff. Either bad stuff, God has nothing to do with it, you know, the devil does bad stuff. Who knows where God was when that happened? That's like a low view of God. And then there's kind of, I guess, the view that God is sovereignly orchestrating around that and and doing things despite evil and the evil intentions of the devil and the evil intentions of men. But God is still kind of flipping those things around for good. And then there's another view that's more like God is meticulously orchestrating even the bad and the good. You know, um, I think biblically you kind of have to go with number two or number three. Number one doesn't doesn't really match up with the Bible saying at all.
1: Well, and it strikes me too the, the theology of good things, right? Yeah. Like too, like we do wrestle with the how can a good God allow bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. That kind of what you're talking about. But yeah. I, I think about too just gratitude and thankfulness and. And again, if you're just negating anything good as that's the way it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and then anything bad is a mistake, um, I don't know. Is there a way you that y'all... the
0: glory of the goodness almost.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that y- y'all specifically have fostered thankfulness or any practices you have for, for being grateful about the good things and not taking them as a given? Or mm. I know I wrestle with that, so...
2: I mean, I think that's got to be a part of your prayer life, your discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, I know a lot of friends. Maybe it was like ten years ago now. Went through that book, A Thousand Gifts, where mm-hmm. it's just keeping a list of things you're thankful for. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a good habit just to keep lists, mark it, pray them throughout your day, share them with your family. I mean, I think there's different ways to do that. I've, for me, I think it's. I've tried to maintain that as a big part of my my prayer life, mm-hmm. giving thanks.
1: Yeah. Thousand Gifts that came up in my head. We should put that in the show notes. People mm-hmm. want to see that. But Yeah.
2: A strangely written book with great ideas.
1: <laughs> yes. If it
0: was 10 years ago, I feel really old. I really hope it wasn't 10 years Maybe ago. i I'm going to look yeah, it up. I don't know. But I think it was 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, in the section, the first section, Joseph working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, He's working super hard, even in bad situations. God's with him. And I really like something you said in the second point that a lot of times we would take, I've worked hard, I've done all this work, I deserve a break. Mm-hmm. I deserve to fall into temptation, basically. Mm-hmm. So your second point is God's with Joseph, even in temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought, man, what a smooth transition that mm-hmm. that working hard and being faithful and now I deserve this mm-hmm. mentality. I just thought, man, that was that was such a good way to put it. A, such a, a real way for for a lot of people. Probably for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked hard. Now I deserve to just relax, let my guard down, and fall into mm-hmm. t- t- temptation. So Joseph's working hard in his house, and Potiphar's wife uh, like comes up, "Brute, lie with me, sleep with me." Mm-hmm. Um, just quick little two word, throws it at him. Let's do this, basically. Um, Joseph in the story, he he says, "No, I can't do this," you know, uh, over and over, and it says happens day after day after day after day, and then finally um, she comes after him. So that's the section Joseph, or God's, with Joseph in his temptation. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it occurs to me that we, in our misunderstanding of how to work and rest we see temptation as a earned rest yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of planning our rest, you know. Yeah. would be a good and godly way for me to rest. I've been working hard. I need to rest. It's good. It's right, you know. I think the Bible calls it worship. You know, I think that's the kind of Sabbath-oriented view from the Old Testament is worshiping God, setting aside time to enjoy God is a good way to rest. But yeah, we often just want to indulge. You know, we're like, oh, I've been eating good, so I'm going to eat bad now. Or I've been, you know, I've been being disciplined, so I'm going to be
0: undisciplined now. I read an article that mm-hmm. science says that that's a good thing to do. <laughs> there you
2: go.
1: Well, science says it. Science says you have to have a cheat day. I read it. <laughs> I th- man, I think, and we'll, we'll keep going into temptation for sure, but that that good rest, um, you know, there's, there's bad rest and there's good rest. That's a concept I stumbled across a few years ago, and that's been really fascinating to me. I don't have, you know, the answer to it all, but um, there's this idea of I think church, different churches have had these worksheets for Sabbath and they talk about drains versus fills uh, F-I-L-L-S um, and uh, I think that's been really interesting to see like even things that are kind of more neutral you can watch what you feel like at the end of that, do you feel closer to God, do you feel more rested you know, so say say you've got a Saturday you can either spend it you know, whatever it is, watching Netflix for eight hours straight, or you know, whatever the the other thing may be, reading, or or even you know, lots of guys talk about yard work actually being a kind of a fill. But I've like, heard, I've heard such things. <laughs> I don't know. I was doing yard work at yeah, three p.m. on Saturday yeah, this week. We, <laughs> well, and we live in Texas, so uh, <laughs> it depends on the the yeah season. season. But but does that make sense? Like, yeah. I think that's an interesting thing to think through of like if you are running to sin as your rest, yeah. then maybe you don't understand what happy, joyful, filling mm-hmm. rest looks like. does godly, mm-hmm. godly rest that leaves you energized to follow him look like? And I think a lot of us wrestle with that for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would just, yeah, I would just say we can rest without indulging sin. Yeah. But culturally, I think that it is kind of confused. We don't, yeah, mm-hmm. we get those things mixed up.
1: It's like morality is crushing, so <laughs> every once in a while we need to take a break from it. Yeah, yeah. that's how if that's how it feels like it's portrayed. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, yeah, that's good. I thought that was really great. I really loved your your point on like Joey mentioned the the kind of brutish call of temptation that Parver's wife was exemplifying, like just let's go now, no reason. Mm-hmm. And then Joseph's really kind of. Uh, Spirit led response of of these the, no I I have my head on straight mm-hmm. even if my body's tempting me and this is why I should not do this oh that was mm-hmm. a beautiful literary thing I'd never really noticed before
2: well and he doesn't say this just doesn't feel right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah. that would be the modern answer right right does it feel right or not that's my answer right what
0: I think is interesting because this is pre God giving Moses the law right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. How does Joseph know that this is wrong versus mm. just feeling wrong? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I think we have some explicit in, uh, details in the Abraham stories where God tells Abraham to teach his children how to walk in righteousness. So there is kind of, there's some clues there that it's passed on orally. Um, and then I think, Joey, last week you mentioned, we were talking about last week, uh, Romans... One you know it talks about the law being written on our heart, and people kind of have a general understanding of what's right and wrong um mm-hmm. so I think there are different angles you could come at it from, but yeah he cl- he clearly knew it was wrong. he had a sense of law and morality,
0: so even without the law, we can know things are wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> what, a, what a thought, what a
1: thought. Uh, well that's something that this is this is a side note, and i mm-hmm. don't I don't know that it has a it has a like answer from the text, but it is a thing I wondered. Mm-hmm we're not really given much of a glimpse into the like, the finite process of Joseph's spiritual life and his formation spiritually, right? right. Um, so I think that that was a thing. I was just like, man, where did he get this from? Right? Like he, did, we're so like spoiled. We have the Bible we can sit down with every day, and like, mm-hmm. here's God's word. Here's these amazing mm-hmm. uh, stories and characters to to follow or to to recognize where they went wrong. And it, I don't know. That was just an interesting thing to me. You know, like, well, did he get this from? from his dad because he was his favorite or you know like well
0: i mean he got it from abraham isaac and jacob yeah, right? Yeah. the, the fathers this... of the face those were his actual fathers yeah so, so the story's being passed down this is what happened to your grandfather abraham who was tested by god this is this is his son isaac who mm-hmm. well i guess great-grandfather who is your grandfather you know like mm-hmm. it would have been oral tradition obviously but
2: yeah and i think I tried to attack one of the modern misunderstandings that if if the Old Testament is hard to read and understand, therefore I can't be held morally responsible. Mm. I think that's a basic posture of a lot of modern people.
1: Mm. Old
2: Testament's kind of confusing, therefore God cannot hold me accountable. Mm. And I just don't agree with that. <laughs> I think mm. that's wrong, it's an excuse. Mm. And God continually held people accountable. I mean, you see this in Genesis. He would judge people and say, you're wicked. You're doing the wrong. You know this is evil, and you're doing it anyway. And I think as human beings, we have a huge capacity to justify what we're doing and say, well, I didn't know, or it's not really wrong, or nobody – there wasn't a sign, so I didn't know it was wrong.
1: And and really, I think to tie both those things together, what Joe was saying, too, is like if you're trying to figure it out all alone, mm. you may not – you yes, know, like yes. – that. I mean, that's such a call – both to younger people to look to more, you know, seasoned saints that, that have been there and also to the older generations to pour into the younger, whether that's your family or people in the church, but but yeah, a lot a lot of us really do sit alone I've, and say, I can't figure it out. I've been so wrestling be figure out
2: in a parallel example, uh, we'll say an acquaintance, uh, a close acquaintance is dramatically changing his theology big big shift changing denominations changing affiliations big changes in what he believes but he's doing it with books he's not doing it with friends or there's not like a mentor leading him that way and I just it just made me think and I know some of his history is like some mentors have let him down you know so there's this weird separation from community and then I'm going to change what I believe based on books which I mean you got to research and know what you believe so on the one hand that's good and right, but it just struck me as odd that he's doing it all on his own, mm-hmm. you know, that he's just making this major life change w- without mentors, without friends oh. in the process. And I think, I think you just, y'all pull, pull out a good point that, yeah, that we need community to make a lot of these big decisions.
1: Mm. Man, I, again, I've, I've have a lot of random thoughts. I'm loving the story stuff. So it's mm-hmm. sparking things in my brain, but uh, I, we, you know, I've just, you're telling these, like, this is God's story, and he gets to explain it, and that's the beauty of Scripture, and I keep wanting to contrast it with the stories we allow ourselves to be told, we're surrounded by, and just, we talked about that a little bit, Dave, about just, um, man, how many times have we seen a scene like this in a movie Hmm. And we are we are trained in how this is supposed to end up, right? This this good looking young man, and oh, his boss's wife is is interested, and mostly our culture would celebrate that and say, "Here's an amazing opportunity for an adventure." Um, and I I guess I just my my thought to myself and for all of us too is like, be careful of what stories you're <laughs> you're just really soaking mm-hmm. in and not even aware of, at least. Mm-hmm. at least talk back to him and at least um, say God's standard may be different than what this movie or this book mm-hmm. or whatever is is telling me. Um, because I really do think that's a strange type of community where we start to relate to these characters and say, oh, well, everybody in every movie that I've ever seen would do this. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to that and I can empathize. You know, that really is a, a tug on the stories we're ingesting Um mm-hmm. And how different this is than all, almost all movies we've seen you know
0: hollywood shaping
1: morality basically yeah yeah, yeah. i mean so that just struck me how different this is well it's a,
2: it's a good point because i think a lot of times the primitive way we think about the media we ingest is you know we count the number of bad things that happen whereas the bible bad language and bad things happen so that's Mm. that doesn't apply to the Bible you know so mm. I, I think it's the worldview and the direction the story arc is really what is the more important thing like does mm. the does the story celebrate this or does is the scene as a tragedy that that person indulged in that opportunity or you know
0: mm. well, I mean and even to that point some people reading this story for the first time maybe new Christians or not even Christians who are hearing this story mm-hmm. might think so what was so wrong why was it even in temptation? um mm. and and we said Joseph knew kind of it was written on his heart Joseph knew uh, from his from his father's but the ten Commandments aren't there yet and the Ten Commandments I guess we would say are our boundaries was your illustration right mm-hmm. the fire illustration um fire pit illustration um what can you talk about that some boundaries why mm-hmm. why was this wrong yeah. what mm-hmm. do we believe about this
2: well I think uh, a connection we can make is that Jesus says there was a creation design for sexuality, and so Jesus goes back to that. He doesn't, he doesn't really belabor the Ten Commandments. He goes straight back to the creation story at the beginning of Genesis. So, you know, assuming everybody, everybody in these patriarchal generations are still familiar with those stories, even if they haven't been given a written version of the Bible at that point. Um, so, yeah, I think we have a design a nature kind of feature. God has designed human beings with this nature and this kind of fit, and that's what he's made them for. So God gives the boundaries of sexuality the way we often describe that as a permanent heterosexual covenant marriage, you know, this commitment, and that's kind of the boundary or the fireplace for sexuality. Our culture would say, I think the point of sexuality is just pleasure, you know? I I think that would be the bottom line. I'm not sure. You know, I guess I'd have to. Quiz people, but that that's what my gut tells me. like the bottom line of sexuality is just pleasure, that's it. And then there are a lot of other things maybe secondary to that whereas I think the scripture paints the picture comes back around to this in Ephesians five that uh, romantic and committed covenant marriage shows the world about God's love and then that love is fruitful. you know we've got reproduction, we've got joy and pleasure in in God's design, but it's supposed to take place within that covenant boundary like i described like a fire pit so um mm. yeah i think there's a big contrast between mm. the biblical worldview and and our culture
1: mm. and and what one thing that this illustrates that's also not said is you can live without it and you can say no <laughs> right yeah. joseph it is possible yes i mean we really do we're we're sold the story of You'll die without this. I mean, it's just like eating. You can't, you know. I mean, yeah. maybe not that drastic, but pretty close, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you're right.
2: We're, and I, maybe some of that's our biological evolutionary understanding of human beings as just animals. We're just mm. animals and that's it. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I think we're more than that. Mm.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thought of. Meant to
1: live. We were meant to live. Yeah. Um. Because song references. <laughs> um. About them.
0: It's how my brain works. All day, every day. It's just anything that's said is a song. So, what are some uh, some parts of scripture that would help somebody maybe who's who's working through this? Mm. What would you recommend they read?
2: Connecting the dots.
1: Um.
2: I would challenge someone to read the creation account. This would just be my like, skip through the whole Bible. I'd say, read the creation account, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then skip to the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20, and then read Proverbs, and then compare that with you know the New Testament ethic anywhere, you know New Testament letters, the gospels. Um, so kind of a foundation is the wisdom of Proverbs, the 10 commandments, the creation account. How do those things overlap? What do they have in common? Um, and I think you'll see a consistency it all it all lines up uh, the big argument against the biblical ethic is because tattoos and shellfish were illegal in the Old Testament and they're not in the New Testament, therefore it can't be trusted, and we throw out everything. you know, it's this kind of all or nothingism that doesn't understand the differences in the covenants and the you know historical progression, which part of me really wants to mock because it drives me nuts and part of me understands because that's part of why I've been driven to study the Bible more is because I I've gotten confused about those things as well. I think my big frustration is when people don't study it out, they just take somebody's word for it and they're like, Oh, okay. My professor said this. So the end, I'm not going to read it anymore. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's so much that can be said here too. I think we, we, we've talked a lot about the story and then, There's so much application, you know, people struggling with same-sex attractions, people struggling with pornography, um, just all, you know, this is, we know this is probably the idol of our, um, our era, either, either sexuality or romantic relationships more broadly even is Mm -hmm. just such a, this will save you, this will give you meaning, this will make you happy, um, kind of thing, um, so... I think it's worth, yeah, it's worth mentioning that there is help and, and community is so huge with that, a scriptural community, mm-hmm. um, you know, things for sure. We, we might mention this every week. I'm not sure, but celebrate recovery we have at our church. Uh, there's, but it's a, it's a national ministry. If, you know, whoever's listening from whatever state, you know, look into that. If, if you struggle with, with, um, you know, being faithful to your spouse or, or, or pornography or you know, things like that, um, but for sure, talking to someone—I think th- sin thrives in the darkness, and so, mm. so I think um, you know it will grow as long as you do not talk about it, and and you you can't be free unless you bring it up and talk to other believers and. Get into community that, that helps you um, understand the Bible and, and mm. believe that God is good and that his standards are for greater joy, not just to rob you of joy. And so
2: Yeah. And I think um, another thing too is like is to think through what the actual goal of daily living is. I think mm. the goal of daily living is not to be test or temptation free, but mm. to fight well. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because I think that's a you know, one of the things with same-sex attraction that's that's mocked, and I think in some say some ways rightly so is pray the gay away is a, a phrase that people are like, Oh, that's so terrible that if you just pray, it'll magically disappear. Um, and so as as believers, we want to say number one, as as believers in God's power, we do believe that God can sometimes give miraculous deliverance over particular sins. Mm. And so that definitely happens. I know friends who, whether it's that issue or any other issue they've prayed they've sought the lord and god has miraculously delivered them from a a temptation Mm -hmm. but i don't know any of those people who haven't continued to struggle with other temptations Mm -hmm. until they die Mm -hmm. you know so to me to be a human you know the normal christian life is to struggle with temptations you might be miraculously delivered from one but you're still going to be tempted towards other things and so Mm -hmm. to follow jesus means to like keep fighting you know to continue Mm -hmm. to fight Temptation and not to just give in to your desires, and so I think that's just a helpful framework for people to remember. Mm.
0: Sure, and I, th- I think it was good that you you s- clearly stated that, and and you stated it, I think from our constitution that mm. you know the church has probably wrongfully treated or treated people wrongfully based off of this one particular sin when mm-hmm. when we believe that all sin is bad. Um, mm. You reference our constitution. I don't think you have it with you today. Would you say something like Well, obviously we can link to the constitution, but maybe looking at the Nashville statement, um, would you say agree with something like that? Look look into that. That might be a good springboard for mm-hmm. discussion or maybe a different book. What do you what do you think? Yeah, it's
2: interesting. There's actually been a lot of the Nashville statement, I think is a kind of a clinical statement on historic Christian orthodoxy, and so I From what I've read of it, have agreed with it, but there's actually been a lot of um, debate over that statement. A lot of our friends are in a denomination called the Presbyterian Church of America, and in that denomination, they've a lot of people have not wanted to adopt that statement for a lot of reasons. But one reason is that sometimes just stating what we believe is right and wrong doesn't really um, pastorally care for the people that are struggling with those right and wrong statements. And so that's part of why in our own constitution we stated up front, we we grieve that the church has hurt people and made some people feel less welcome than others. So I think that's an important place to start on any of these issues. Whatever you struggle with is, man, a lot of times Christian people have blown it and hurt Mm -hmm. people and singled certain things out. And I think we need to be very aware of that. Um, And so there is, and I mentioned this as well, there is this this interesting thing that Paul talks about in First Corinthians 6, that there's something kind of extra dangerous and hurtful about sexual sin that we need to be careful of. He's warning people, you know, not to give them extra shame, not to single them out as extra bad. He's just saying, man, be careful, you're playing with fire, right? Like there's something there that Paul talks about how we're sinning against our own body and to be extra careful. But I think James 2.10 is very clear in, in the all sin is sin. if we've broken any part of the law, if we've you know if we've sinned in any way whatsoever, we've sinned you know? and so there's a sense in which all sin is the same and um, all people struggle to obey Jesus and to live out our full potential. so
0: I think it's good to, to look at all that to see it. but from the text, the story that happens is Joseph is is tempted, mm-hmm. he's he's you know assaulted even by Potiphar's wife trying to force him into the sin. Mm -hmm. And Joseph does everything right. Mm -hmm. He does the right thing. And then God blesses him (laughs) by making everything go wrong. Still still everything goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: keep going. But, I mean, I love that his biggest heroic act is to run and like <laughs> right i mean yeah. gotta hold on to that right it wasn't just like i'm gonna stay in this room and not do you know man just beautiful <laughs> like well, yeah. i'm picturing
0: there. it wasn't just a boom run sure. away it was like a spin juke move <laughs> press x like it ripped his clothes off like <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. to get out of her hands right she so i have so yeah. it was it was not just a simple like Okay, I'm out of here. Bye. It was he like he was a... humiliated. I mean, I think mm. that's the literary echo of mm. the losing
2: the robe in thirty in chapter thirty-seven, and then the losing the cloak or whatever it's called in, in chapter thirty-nine. Mm. In both cases, he's losing his outer garments. You know, he's losing his identity, dignity, his dignity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's being humiliated both times, and mm. and that's hard. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to be humiliated. But good job, Joseph. Yeah, very painful process. Mm.
0: Yeah, so he does the right thing Mm. and still everything goes wrong. Mm. He's still betrayed, right? That's Mm. your third point is Mm -hmm. that God's with Joseph in his betrayal. Mm -hmm. So now Joseph or Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of doing something he didn't do Mm -hmm. to Joseph's (laughs) boss, who he was actually honoring. um, And his boss throws him in prison. Mm -hmm. So now he's gone from having everything again to being thrown in prison, having nothing. Um, and still, God is with him mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that reiterates just the nature of of uh fleeing temptation, the nature of fighting temptation is not it 's not just like everything 's rosy every time you fight you know like fighting is good that doesn 't mean living in perfect pleasure and harmony you know it's it 's often a crummy result in the short term mm.
0: Well, I think this section is where you mostly talked about God's blessing not being contingent on our good works. Like, Joseph did everything right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and God didn't bless him. God didn't say, you know what, you did it right, so Potiphar's going to find out that his wife is an animal um, who's a horrible person, and he's going to banish her instead, and you're going to be promoted to... Mm-hmm whatever you know like that didn't happen that's not the story yeah. at
1: least not in the short term yeah yeah
0: you can't do that we've been talking about mm-hmm. not <laughs> going to knowing the whole story right yeah no but you, you yeah. did that too um yeah. you you said god's at work he's working there's a bigger story mm-hmm. um i think man it hit hard to to know there is a bigger story i need to remember that like i'm living in in this moment of Maybe I'm in prison. Maybe Potiphar's wife is coming to me day after, day after day after day after day after day, and that's where I'm living. But to remember that my story is a bigger story too. It's mm-hmm. not It's not just Joseph's story that's a bigger story. Like, yeah, I'm never going to be Pharaoh's right-hand man, but mm-hmm. but I don't have to just live in this prison or live in this day after day after day after day after day.
2: Yeah, making the most of our opportunities and trusting that God is with us. Yeah. I mean, God's with us when it's crummy and God's with us when it seems great. And, um, I think that applies. Yeah. To so many of our situations that we live through. I think last week this came up, but yeah, we don't last week. Oh yeah. I was talking about how we love cliffhangers and stories, but we don't love it in our own life. And same thing here. I mean, we can, we can enjoy a good story where, Oh no, he got thrown in prison, you know, but God is still with him hold on you know there's still more to the story but we don't like to actually experience it for sure
1: yeah i was convicted with how often we slip into what is the goal of my life uh to have fun and to feel good Mm -hmm. right like we we really easily lose the uh this sense of, I want to grow as a person and I want to use my life well. And I think that's, God keeps his eye on that, like how much character building happens even in these difficult, difficult things for Joseph. And if, yeah, if we think we're here on earth to just be as comfortable as we can or to have nice experiences, then yeah, Joseph's life is is mostly wasted. But if it's actually this long-term sharpening and shaping and he becomes through these experiences well i can't say the end of the story no Again. spoilers okay spoilers i mean god is I, I think we can't lose sight of the fact that mm-hmm. at the end of this story joseph is one of the most powerful people in egypt and that's not even the point it's like that god made him into someone who could even carry that weight Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think so much of the shaping happens in these just super tough moments you know and Mm -hmm. and again even there we're not going far enough joseph's not the main story of the bible i mean Mm -hmm. the main character in the this story or in the bible Mm -hmm. you know god is and he's the one he's the one Mm -hmm. shaping it all um but since we see everything through our viewpoints of you know humans here on earth that that's helpful to me to remember that like
2: yeah, my wife was talking about just the daily grind of like changing diapers, you know. As, mm. as a young mom, that's, you know, the pit. Valley <laughs> <laughs> <You laughs> of, of the diapers, the no. diapers, you know, it's a hard time and but it has meaning and God is with you and um and I've been fascinated the last few years. I don't know where I first heard this, but Proverbs 31 is this ideal woman it's always held up as like this is the ideal godly woman. Um and she has all this influence and she does all these things. And it just occurred to me a few years ago, oh, she's, she's like 55, you know? <laughs> like We always think of her as a 28-year-old mom with <laughs> diaper. You know, she's changing baby's diapers and she's doing these hundred other things. Like, no, she's like, she's lived life. She's done a lot of different things. And um, So anyway, that yeah, it's, again, it's just a long-term vision. We, we, we sometimes forget that God's at work in the long term and not just in those little hard moments. Mm.
0: I think in the section, the repetition, again, in prison, you know, whatever Joseph did, the Lord made succeed. Mm. Um, I think you tied tied that in to, uh, uh, you said, unbroken chain of promises. Um, I think you, you read from Ephesians, maybe. Mm-hmm. You talk a little about the un, unbroken chain of promises mm-hmm. um, going back Really, from creation, but in this story, you know, Abraham, Isaac, mm-hmm. Jacob, Joseph,
2: yeah, to us, promises to bless the whole world, and they're fulfilled, and Christ are fulfilled in us, and so, you know, I tried to end this with honoring the story, you know, that God is with Joseph, and that's what this is about—is what God's doing with Joseph. But that's a picture of of what God is doing in the world, and so, God's fulfilling particular promises in Joseph's life to be with Joseph. Because he's made these promises to the patriarchs. But that leads to, you know, the ultimate God with us in Emmanuel and Jesus. And then, you know, the New Testament promises God's with us as followers of Christ. If we trust in Christ. You no, know, He really is with us. And there's a sense in which we still long for that to be more and better and deeper in heaven, but but he's with us now. And I think that's important to remember.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll encourage everyone to tune back in for Season 4, Episode 4 next week. Episode 3 next week? Yeah. 3. Yeah, My bad. Season 4, Episode 3. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to Sunday Recap, a weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more podcasts and sermons, visit BeGrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit BeGrace.org.